You're listening to the Slumber Party Podcast with your host, Amanda Jusen, a mum of two girls, a child and infant sleep expert, and general sleep lover. If you're a tired parent who is desperate for answers or just someone who loves sleep, this podcast was created just for you. Each episode is packed full of tips and tricks to help you maintain your sanity as well as your social life during the early stages of parenthood. So grab your headphones, it's time to get comfy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Slumber Party Podcast. I am your host, Amanda Jusen, and I'm so excited today. I say this every episode. I'm very basic. I say I'm so excited, but really, I am very excited about every one of my guests and topics. Um, This is something I've actually wanted to do for a while, um, and I actually uh, trained in my certification with Courtney. I mean, we did it at different times, um, but I know that Courtney... Courtney is a certified lactation consultant. Uh, she's based out of Philly. Um, so, uh, you know, for my Canadian peeps, she's not local, but, you know, email is amazing. And so is just about, I work with everyone around the world. So does Courtney. But the cool thing about Courtney is that she's also a sleep consultant. So she is coming in with all the tricks. And I really wanted to have Courtney on today because. There are so many bullshit rumors about sleep training and breastfeeding. It's got to be one or the other. It's got to be this or that. And I know, Courtney, we're on the same page. So welcome. I would let's I mean, we only have 30 minutes. Okay, I feel like that we could have this conversation for like 25 years. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And I appreciate you having me on. So hello. And thank you for uh, the opportunity. I love chatting about sleep, as do you. And, you know, I think to your point, the confusion, misconceptions, terrible, shitty advice you get in mom groups, there is some good advice. But, you know, when you start to look at the whole picture of what this looks like, I think it is very much people have the perception that it's either or. You're either going to sleep well, or your your kid's going to need to eat, you know, and you're a monster if they don't. I I always find, I don't know if you get this too, but like when someone is booking a call with me or, you know, they're booked and they want to start sleeping, we should tell everyone, by the way, that Courtney is drinking kombucha, although it doesn't really matter. I'm just telling you because it is 1230 in the afternoon. (laughs) But it is Friday. It is Friday, but... It is. I drink watermelon kombucha out of a wine glass because I feel better about myself. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay, yeah, so people book a caller or they book the consultation and in their questionnaire or in their like information, they'll always be like, um, I really want my I breastfeed, but I'm open to stopping if it helps sleep. And I'm like, oh my God, you don't have to stop breastfeeding. And, and in Canada, and we can probably talk a little bit about you know, the differences. I think that because Canadians have that year long maternity leave, most tend to breastfeed longer. I mean, and this might be a complete stereotype that I'm wrong about, but I find that a lot of my American clients have like switched to exclusively pumping or there's a lot more bottles involved um, at some point because they go back to work earlier. Um, So uh, the, why I say this is like 95% of my clients that whose babies sleep through the night or have, you know, one or two feeds at night are 
breastfeeding. I'm saying that directly into the microphone. And we didn't have to change anything. We didn't have to tell that mom. And they were able to maintain that breastfeeding relationship for years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the majority of my clients are able to breastfeed, maintain that relationship for years to come. Um, but how is that possible? What sorcery is this? What are, what are we, how are we able to achieve both? <laughs> and I think the the misconception is to your point, it's one or the other where it comes down to intake, right? If a baby's hungry, regardless of their age, they should eat overnight. That's mm -hmm. appropriate, right? Yeah. So yeah. when I work with clients, you know, we write a plan based on the age and their intake. And if you're exclusively nursing, you don't necessarily know the intake. So we take that into account, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how old they are and how well they're growing and how well you feel your supply is. Have you done weighted transfers, right? There's like a lot of conversation that goes into it, but a child needs about 24 to 32 ounces um, mm -hmm. in the day as far as the amount of milk that that is required, right? I'm to... I'm getting my phone out. I'm listening, but I'm doing the uh, the milliliter. I was gonna say, I don't know what it is in in metrics. So yeah. it's yeah. 24 to 32 ounces, right? Is what you know in the states I tell clients like that's what you need in a given 24 hour period for a child to be kind of growing at the right amount every day. And, and right. that, from my calculation, is 700 to 900 milliliters for my Canadian folks. And that's where, like, if you get that in the day, you don't need it at night, right? And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people fall into the, the habit aspect of feeding, right? Like, milk becomes a mechanism to sleep. And it's like, if a child needs to eat because they're hungry, they should be fed. And Absolutely. even when we're working together, we're going to feed them. I think we both agree on that. It's yeah. when yeah. you're using that breast or that bottle as the mechanism for them to fall asleep, that's when it, I mean, that's when it's a problem because that's the only way they know how to go to sleep and sleep's a skill set. So like if you can sharpen the ability to do it without that, voila. Uh, you know what I also find pretty cool? So you're the lactation consultant. Um, so please correct me as I go here. But what has been really amazing for me is I will get these babies who are um, not gaining as well or not like fall or, or just on like a lower percentile. And I, I just want to pause to talk about percentiles. Everyone has to be in a percentile there. We're looking for baby gaining on their curve within your percentile. So, you know, most doctors are great and know that, but um, I get all of these clients and these um, uh, babies who the mom or the dad is like, oh, we're really concerned about weight gain. We need to keep in the feeds at night. And me too. I'm also concerned about weight gain. So I'll keep the feeds in or I'll keep like one or two or whatever the case is, depending on that child. And then all of a sudden the child sleeps through the night. And then the parent, like we didn't make that happen. We didn't force the child. They just went to bed at eight o'clock and they woke up at eight o'clock and everyone was living their best life. But the parents start panicking and they're like, oh my gosh, like they didn't eat. And now like they need to eat all the time because of their low birth weight. But then lo and behold, during the day, this baby is rested. They are actually hungry. They're not snacking all day, all night. The breastfeeding outcomes improve almost always. And this is the other like misconception that you're going to tank your supply, that you are going to like smack and like, I don't know, maybe if you're not working with like a, a consultant who knows a lot about breastfeeding, I guess this could be something that does happen. But I do think that 
in almost all of my cases where breastfeeding is this big concern and there are weight issues, it always works out in the other way and the parents are floored. Yeah, absolutely. I totally 110% agree with that because it is the same conversations, right? I mean, we're talking with the same tired parents and it's like, if anything, they, they wake up refreshed. So now they're actually hungry, right? They're taking yeah. a nice full yeah. feed, which guess what that does to your supply? Mm-hmm. Supply and demand. Milk is yeah. supply and demand, right? If they're pulling it out efficiently, your body's going to go, oh, they, maybe I should make a little more. Yeah. And it, so you're not like, I think the misconception is you're losing milk by yes. not eating overnight. Yes. Yeah. You're just shifting it. It's yes. moving to the day. The baby's happier. They're eating better. They're rested, right? Like the the single statement I say to the many folks that I talk to is, how do you feel in the morning? Mm-hmm. How you feel in the morning is how they feel. They just can't express it, mm-hmm. you know? And it, mm-hmm. and frankly, if they're eating six times at night, they're not going to be hungry for breakfast. So, no. you know, you got to no. figure out that, like, is this habit or hunger? If it's hunger, feed your child. But yeah. what happens, yeah. to your point, is you actually realize it's habit. Mm-hmm. You teach them the solid foundation of skills of sleep. And then, lo and behold, yes. you know, yes. they sleep through the night and you've done, I don't say you've done nothing. Don't discredit yourself. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, yeah. they have learned that it was a habit, not a hunger-based waking at, right. you know. Right. And the cool thing that I find, sorry to interrupt you, um, I got excited. (laughs) The the cool thing um, that I find with like my younger babies who are still eating at night, um, parents are like, okay, so should I call you back when we're ready to wean? And I'm like, guess what? Because this baby does not, has a solid foundation of sleep skills, (coughs) excuse me, um, and is also eating out of hunger and not habit at night, this baby will probably push out that feed on his or her own. It, you know, the closer you get to, then all of a sudden it's 6 a.m. and you haven't had to wean anything because a baby has done it for you. Uh, so when you, you know, people are often worried, like, are they too young? What if they need to eat overnight? It's like, well, that's fine because it's out of hunger and they will self-regulate. Yeah. And I was going to say, the biggest thing I probably see is that when a baby goes from waking a few times to doing that first stretch and they're down at seven or eight and they go till 530 in the morning, for example, right? And they're like four or five months old and they're going seven to 430 for the first time or seven to 530. Parents are like, well, what do I do? It's 530. I'm like, pick them up and feed them. If they just mm-hmm. went 11 hours for the first time, yeah, pick them up yeah. and feed them. And then put them back down. And guess what? That 5.30 waking is going to go to 6 tomorrow. Yeah. And then 6.30 yeah. the next day. Like, it, it, it shifts out. Like, 5.30 <laughs> is not your new wake-up time. You know? Totally. Totally. Sorry, I'm so, drinking coffee at the same okay. time, which is clearly <laughs> an occupational <laughs> hazard because it's not going it's down, not the right going down the right tube. I only have one tube now, so I can't help you there. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, okay, so then on the opposite side, I find... There are, we can't like, you know, be, I, I know that there's going to be part of this podcast where we're like, rah, rah, breastfeeding and, and, and sleep training can go together and they can, but there are some instances where it's not perfect. And so for me, what I tend to see is um, baby is ready. So baby's ready to sleep through the night. Same situation happens where you know, parents will start sleep training, baby sleeps through the night, and then the the supply doesn't really transfer to the daytime right away. And then so there are some instances where babies might sleep through the night, like two or three nights, mom supply tanks. And then by day four and five, we have like, you know, these hour long wakings at 4am, God forbid. So 
uh, like I'll talk about how I kind of manage it and I would love for you to to jump in but how I sort of manage it is I tell mom to pump before she goes to bed um, she also might want to pump as soon as she gets up in the morning after that first feed and and what I call that is like a, a little bit of an insurance policy in the early days of sleep training where you are actively so like that milk that your baby didn't take you know five times <laughs> overnight when you get up in the morning you feed your baby and you express that milk in the day now we've told our body okay we need to make that amount of milk at this time during the day and it tends to kind of move things along a lot quicker um, and help supply but please jump in with anything better <laughs> yeah what i actually do is I, I like the insurance policy kind of idea what i'll do is if a client is exclusively breastfeeding for sure they're usually especially if they've been feeding overnight they're gonna wake up engorged right like your yep. boobs are hard yeah. as a rock you feel like hell and you can't sleep so even yeah. if baby's yeah. sleeping a lot of times i'll tell mom one wake up because it's uncomfortable and nobody wants to sleep with two rocks on their chest <laughs> but two you could you could quick for five minutes pump that milk out you're probably gonna rip out two nice size bottles yeah right yeah and then that you just start banking it like i have yeah. some clients that yeah. are super concerned because we do go back to work yeah. early here like yeah. at, at yeah. 12 weeks i'm sliding right back into that cubicle honey yeah you know so yeah. i do tell clients i'm like if you're worried about supply and you want to have a bit of an insurance policy wake up for a week while they're sleeping through the night and pump once or twice right, right. you know because then you're building up a nice freezer stash yeah and then yeah. You know, you can start to pump a little bit less each night. So you're also getting less engorged, right? Yeah. And then your body's adjusting. And by the way, it's still adjusting the supply in the day yeah. when baby's yeah. hungry and eating better, which can take a couple of days. I also tell clients if they can manage it during a nap to do a mm -hmm. power pump, mm -hmm. right? So if at the same time every day, whether mm -hmm. it's after they feed in the morning or at lunch when they're taking a nap and you're kind of sitting there for a few minutes... You know, I used what were called Freemies. It's probably one of my favorite breastfeeding products because they attached to every pump. They were like 50 bucks or so, maybe a little more expensive now. That was a long time ago when I bought them. But you literally can pop them into a pump and just slide them right into your shirt. You're not cutting holes in sports bras and putting a million things on or sitting there with two like dongles. And they just sort of slide in and then oh. I never lost the amount of milk and neither do my clients, frankly. Oh. So it's very easy to pump. You get the milk out and you can power pump 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off, 10 minutes on, 10 minutes off, 10 minutes on, 60 yeah. minutes. Yeah. And if you do it for three times a day, you're going to jumpstart the, the supply process again. Yeah. So between yeah. like the pumping with the freemies, which makes it convenient, like mm -hmm. I think the whole Pennsylvania Turnpike at one point has seen my tits. Um, <laughs> Because I was like a super pumper everywhere. Me too. Um, I did this too. I drove 40 everywhere. minutes to work, 40 minutes back with the uh, power adapter that you can put into your, um, that cigarette lighter thing. I just, I was so terrified that a cop would pull me over for distracted driving and be like, look, I am not distracted. I promise. Like, it's just doing its thing. I'm driving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that was like, so that's always what I do is I kind of say like, look, keep it in for a couple nights, slowly reduce the duration while at the same time the milk's moving. So you have the insurance policy. Yeah. You know, I'm curious on your your perspective with like bottles. I have a lot of clients yeah. that say like, hey, I am 100% nursing, but I need to start thinking about I want to go out to get my nails done and I can't because my baby's relying on my breast. 
what bottle they won't take any of them. I've tried mm-hmm. this one and this one and this one and this one. You know, I just had a client the other day where I I actually had them try the Nook Sippy Cup. The baby's about seven months old, so a little bit older. And they moved straight to the Nook Sippy Cup right. for right. a bottle when the mom wasn't home because mm-hmm. they just won't take a regular, like, you know, Dr. Brown's, the Numb, the Mum, right. the Bomb. Right. We've tried all these different bottles. And um, so I'm curious, like, with your clients, if you've seen any better... I don't know, a bottle up there perhaps that works better that, you know, clients can look at. We don't, I, you know, I feel like everybody here in the States has their sort of preference of the top few. And the biggest thing is like when baby rejects the bottle, it's hard, you know, but they're going to eat when they're hungry. That's the good news. Yeah. Um, yeah. But sometimes getting to that point is, you know, hard. Painful. Um, I have to say that I don't have like this magic product because I get this a lot. But what I can say is I went back to work pretty early with my first. Well, I'm sorry, pretty early in Canadian standards. Like I went back at four months postpartum. And so I just had also a premonition that I was going to get a job. So having my daughter on a bottle was really important to me. And so we started really early. And I think if you wait too long, it's really, I, I, I don't want to say it's impossible, but if you're past like four months, it's going to be really challenging for baby to take it. I'm not to say don't try, but it, yeah, I think there's like a, maybe a window between four and six months. And then after you might need to move to something like a sippy cup or a different way of getting it in because every like literally it took my husband three weeks of sitting with my daughter being like, try this bottle before bed, try this bottle. And like, sometimes she would take it and sometimes not. I mostly had to leave the house. I had to be out. I couldn't just be in a different room. I had to be out of the house for her to take it. And then she started taking it. Um, And then don't forget to introduce that bottle as often as you can as well, because I got lazy with my second And she took a bottle pretty easily right away. Uh, And then I was like getting lazy about pumping for that bottle. And then so I want to say I didn't give her a bottle for three months. And I was like, "Eh, whatever. So then I go to a wedding in um, Calgary, Alberta, which is like, you can't just get in your car and drive home. It's like a four hour, five hour plane ride um, away. And my husband calls and is like, she's not taking this bottle. And I was like, what? So she she was like eight months, seven months. She didn't take a bottle for the whole day. She ate tons of solids. And, you know, my husband mixed breast milk in with like everything. So she's getting, and then the next morning she's like, okay, well, I'll take it. But it was terrifying. And that's because I got lazy. So um, it, I like one bottle a day. Again, in the breastfeeding world, this can be somewhat controversial advice. Uh, what's your experience with something like nipple confusion? Is that Honestly, a thing? Like I, it, it, it can be. I do think to your point, I feel like sometimes it's very, and I don't want to say like judgy, right? But it's very like you're pro 100% the boob, 100% pumping, 100%. You know what? If that works for you, cool. Go yeah. for it, right? Like yeah. you got to figure out what works for you and for your family. Like for my family, the day we got home from the hospital, my son was in his own room in his own crib from day one. Yeah. A lot of people room yeah. share for a year. That yeah. worked for our family, yeah. right? Yeah. That was a choice yeah. we made. And that night at 10 o'clock, my husband gave him a bottle. Mm-hmm. And it was, mm-hmm. I would pump, I would go to bed. And then every night for the first about eight weeks, and we did this with my daughter too, when I had already become a sleep consultant, we had a dream feed. And I'll keep mm-hmm. a dream feed until about eight weeks. Yeah, And it yeah. allowed me as a mom to get rest. So like I would 
basically put my son and my daughter down around seven. Yeah. I would nurse them. They would go to sleep. I would Mm -hmm. pump whatever was left, keep it on the counter. I would take a shower and go to bed. Mm -hmm. Peace out, 8.30 at night. (laughs) I would then have my husband do the bottle. He would go in and wake my kids up at 10 o'clock. Yeah. Feed them the bottle if they hadn't already woke up. Put them back down awake, go back to sleep, right? And then I would get up for the rest of the night because I had to nurse. So I would kind of get a stretch from 8.30 to 2 in the morning when I was sleeping. I woke up feeling like I could run a marathon compared to my friends. And it afforded the ability for me to get out. Yeah. They could take a bottle fine, right? Mm -hmm. And again, everybody's going to have different perspective on it. Like, you got to do you. And that's cool. That worked for us. And it was great because I got sleep, which was good for my mental state. Yep. They ate. They learned how to eat from both, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was flexibility. And then they were taking a nice full feed at 10. They would feed at two and feed at four. Like my kids always pretty much, both of them, both before I got into sleep consulting and after, woke at 10, two, and four. Yeah. Because they were taking full feeds during the day. Yeah. And they were taking full feeds at night. And I didn't do the graze eating. Like I see a lot of parents that do the snacking, right? Like I'm just going to feed on demand. And again, like that's fine. I do find that kids who eat on full feedings, on a regular kind of more cadence. I don't like to call it a schedule because people freak out about that. Yeah. But like yeah. if they eat full feedings versus snacking, by the end of the day, I feel like their consumption total is more. Well, and they empty never, the like, they're just Yeah. Like yeah. if you're yeah. just snacking, it's like my kids, like they have goldfish, then they have fruit. Yeah. And then I'm like, here's yeah. your grilled cheese for lunch. And they're like, no, suck it. I'm not hungry. <laughs> like, what do you mean you're not hungry? It's lunchtime, you know, because they've snacked all morning. And it's, yeah. you know, it's the same yeah. with kids. Like if you're just getting an ounce, I feel like you're never filling the tank, but you're yes. also never yes. quite full. So you're sort of at this perpetual state of okay. Yeah, I well, and I always I try to like give the example to my clients that have you ever, you know, like you're so hungry and then you go to eat just a little. It's like, oh, I'm satiated. And it's the same for your baby to be like, oh, I'm hungry. And then I'm just, no, no, no. Okay, I'm satiated. I'm fine. But really, they're only taking a little bit. It also, I think in those cases, it can impact supply when we're not fully draining the breast, when your baby is just kind of like saying, okay, you made this full breast, but I'm only going to take half. Well, then the next day over time, your body is only going to make that half. And so you want them to be hungry and eating. And like, like you said, feeding on demand is wonderful. And I think that there are, like for me, I was a milkmaid. I could have fed your children, my children, the street, the whole country of Canada. It was it was fine. Um, and so I could just kind of like pop my babies on and off when I wanted to. And it was great. If you do have supply concerns or maybe you just don't have the same amount of milk ducks that I did and like things are a little bit different, you need to be thinking actively about how to drain your breasts to stimulate more milk production and not just like a baby who's on and off. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, that, that kind of brings up, like I was thinking about, um, you know, from like that, that standpoint of supply and demand, like draining again, supply and demand, that's the, the milk side of it. I, I think that too often, I don't know, parents look at four milk and hind milk. And I see a lot of questions like, well, I have to make sure I get the, forget the four milk, I'm going to pump that away. And I just want the hind milk because it's higher in fat and such and such, right? Like, it's a very big misconception. Like your milk fat distribution is very much balanced throughout the whole nursing session. Like your body didn't just make it and go, you know what? Fuck it. This isn't good milk. We're going to just, 
we're going to dump that out, right? Like it's very much, it's very much balancing the, the body's a beautiful thing. Like it's going to balance the fat distribution, I guess is what I'm trying to say throughout the feeding. Yeah. Right. So yes. Is there something called for milk and hind milk? Absolutely. Is the fat distribution throughout the milk they're getting kind of balanced throughout? Yes, absolutely. So that's kind of a misconception I think a lot of people have where they're like, well, let me empty a little bit and make sure they get the really fatty stuff. Like just put them on the breast. Don't overthink it, you know? Okay. So Courtney, when should someone someone seek out the assistance of a lactation consultant? I honestly, I think if, and I know it's a little bit different in Canada, so you'll have to correct me on like the way you guys do it up there. I just finished with somebody actually in Alberta Mm. and she was explaining a little bit how it was different, but she was struggling with supply. And she's like, we can't really do it this way. Like in the States here, basically at the hospital, you get to see a lactation counselor, which is great. Mm. And they make sure you have the latch. The problem is your milk hasn't typically come in. Yeah. So you get home from the hospital and those squishy (laughs) boobs you had at the hospital Uh are now solid rocks. Uh So you're trying to attach this teeny little mouth to a solid rock, right? And then you get some nipple kind of discomfort and such, right? For here in the States, I tell clients like straight away, connect with somebody because it's just going to make the journey. If you can get through the first couple of weeks, like you're solid, right? Yeah. yeah. If you wait too long, sometimes it's hard to get the supply back. Yeah. Right? It's possible, yeah. but sometimes it's harder, right? Yeah. So I know here, yeah. like I always recommend setting up a consultation or when it's not, you know, a Corona type world, <laughs> um, go into the hospital. Like we have lactation weekly meetings at almost every hospital where there's mm-hmm. a CLC mm-hmm. or an IBCLC. They will do a weighted transfer. And you can see how much the baby's getting. They'll assess the latch. You can talk with other new moms. At our pediatricians here, there's usually an an RN who's also an IBCLC. You can request to do a weighted transfer at the doctors. Again, just to see what you're moving. So it's kind of like, I say like start with the support right away. Like, I, I hate when parents wait and then mentally and emotionally they're like well now I just can't do it you know and I really want to but they've kind of waited too long so it's like I say it's never too early to have an initial kind of assessment totally and then if you're smooth sailing like go for it if you need additional help you know it's there in a variety of capacities well and I think um I had midwives during my birth and they were really skilled at latch assessment and what to look for. I mean I also had babies who gained back their birth weight within the first 3 days of their life. So it was no one talked to me about breastfeeding. They were like just do whatever that is again and again. I was like, great. Yeah. Um, But I think that uh, midwives can be really helpful. But if you are, like, get it, intervene early. Um, And if you're, you know, often what I hear, this is a really good argument, and I'm sure you'd agree with it. Like, when I am feeling very high on my horse about, like, breast is best, fed is best, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I personally do not have any feelings about how you feed your baby as long as you feed your baby. And then there are, you know, on the opposite side, like there's a lot of like shame and guilt and like, you know, like judgment from like healthcare professionals about, you know, you have to breastfeed, you have to, and I hate that. But then when I hear from people in the industry is like, there's a lot of shit advice from healthcare practitioners and the everyday average Joe. And so if we could just support our parents better, and if the parent left that breastfeeding relationship knowing I had great support, this is what I did, 
it would probably be better. I agree with that too. So if you're not feeling in line with your healthcare professional or the person who's like assisting you, keep asking for help. Um, and then if you don't want to breastfeed anymore, also just don't breastfeed anymore. <laughs> well, and I wanted to mention too, I was just looking her up quick. That's why I was looking down. So my girlfriend who was actually a sleep client of mine initially with her son, we became good friends with her second. She became an exclusively pumping mom. Mm-hmm. So she basically kind of skipped the whole breastfeeding journey and uh, as far as the breast and went straight to the pump, exclusive mm-hmm. pumping, right? Which is another big thing for a lot of parents. And her name is Sandy J. Green on Instagram with a couple periods in there. But she does exclusive pumping information. And I'll tell you, like, if there's oh, anybody that. that's struggling with, like, I, I like I like breastfeeding, but it just I, I I'm not having success with the breast and the latch and the tongue tie and all this other stuff, right? Like my daughter had tongue tie. That sucks. It's hard. I did mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and so it's like trying to work through that. Like pumping's you're pumping the milk out. The freemies were great, right? She does exclusively pumping, so I just wanted to put that out there because I love that. Um, I love that. She's you know she's really good, but like her posts are great to follow. So you know I always like to share friends that that do good yeah. shit that I like, yeah. not just I love, like, hey, I love that. This person, but she. He's really good, you know. Um, so, so good. Um, good. Just for something different, right? Like everybody's yep. journey's different. Yep. Like I am so yep. not about the mom shaming, and I see it in Facebook groups, and I immediately am like, delete. Like I can't, I can't. The negativity, <laughs> like I can't with this man. Exactly. It's already hard enough. You just had a baby. Just do what makes life easier, because it's just hard having the baby. Okay, so. Um, Courtney, where can people find you if they're like, oh, I like Courtney. I want to work with her. I don't like Amanda. You're great. But (laughs) how can people find you? Well, if Amanda is booked and you can't talk to her, um, you can find me (laughs) over on Tiny Transitions Sleep Coach is my Instagram handle or just tinytransitions.com is my website. Um, It's myself and I've got 12 consultants here in the country uh, in the States that... uh, that work with families, you know, I've got folks all over the world as well that we work with. That's the cool part about our job is we can do it with anyone from anywhere. Uh, But yeah, so I'd love to to chat and learn more about, uh, about the struggles. Amazing. The struggle is real, man. You are the best. Thank you so much for doing this. I've wanted to do this for so long. I feel like I just, I have the same feeling as I had, like, you know, when you just had a really good cry and you're like, oh, it's off my chest. Like, that's how I feel. (laughs) On that note. Have a little wine. Get yourself a massage. Enjoy the weekend. If anyone who is um, watching on YouTube, this is an indent from my mask when I had a massage because I pulled my neck. And if you're wondering if something bad happened to me, no, something really good happened to me. I had a massage. Anyway, have a great one, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, You can find me at babiesbestsleep.com. Send me an email. Tell me what you think. Uh, And like, subscribe, comment, review. I know that takes time and energy, but it's a huge, huge boost on our end. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.